Thank you for tuning in to Covert Operations. This is PayJM accompanying you through the rabbit hole as we dive deep into sleight of hand. Tonight we are going to talk about how to practice efficiently. This episode is primarily focused in sleight of hand practice but can also as well apply to other kinds of art forms. Whether you're on the way to your office, stuck in traffic, or working from home, I am thankful for your ever listening ears. Welcome to Covered Operations. The practice of sleight of hand is very elaborate due to the fact that the mechanics involved with it are very angle sensitive, which means that when you perform it from a certain angle or perspective, your spectators will see what you're doing underneath, which kills the essence of sleight of hand. Sleight of hand should be under the sewers, menacing its way through the spectators in a manner undetected to anyone. With this being said, here are some tips in order for you to efficiently perform sleight of hand in the guise of itself or in the guise of magic. Know your material. When it comes to knowing the material that you want to practice, you must know your skill level first in terms of your art form, whether it be sleight of hand, magic, or cardistry. Why do I say this? No one does a Pandora on their first day of being a cardist. No one can do an ambitious riser effect on their third day of becoming a sleight of hand artist. All of these processes take time, and time is your best friend or your worst enemy. In knowing your skill level, I suggest listing down all the slides that you know in a notebook. Rate them 1 to 5 from 5 being the highest in terms of the success rate and the fluidity that you can do when doing the sleight of hand move in the real world. Not just in front of a camera. Doing your slides in front of a camera is much easier than performing it in front of people. Other sleight of hand artists and magicians might disagree with me on this, but here goes. The reason why it is much easier to perform in front of a camera rather than in person is because when you do your slides in front of a camera, no one is watching. Yet. You can make mistakes, take up 200 tries to just nail the move, and you have the freedom to upload the best one. It is also an essential tool for practice. Compared to having to perform to an audience, it is live. Once you screw up, you should have a plan B, plan C, up to plan Z if possible. You need to have a lot of outs for certain situations, which can be tough. Hecklers may screw your pattern up, you may flash, and it is a once in a lifetime performance. Don't get me wrong, performing for people is really fun. The excitement you get when you nail a performance makes you want to perform more magic. When you see their eyes light up or see the kid inside of your spectators come out of their shell, that is something rewarding that only few can do in various art forms, and we are lucky to have the ability to do so. Don't just read, understand. Reading the material you want to practice will do you nothing. However, understanding the paragraphs while reading will help you in your journey towards nourishing the book you read. What do I mean by this? Understand and read carefully what the author says. In learning sleight of hand techniques, the author is very precise on the things that he has written in his book. For instance, certain slides like V diagonal palm shift and top palm need your fingers to be in a certain spot in the deck for you to execute the move perfectly. 
The author does not briefly mention these spots but he verbosely mentions it because of its importance in executing the move. When the author says put your middle finger in the top right corner of the deck while in straddle grip, then you have to do so unless you can't do the move. This tip does not solely apply to sleight of hand or magic, but in general as well. Books possess an infinite knowledge inside of them. The information is overflowing and you can learn a lot from it. Like cookbooks. When the author of a cookbook tells you the recipe to cook a certain dish, now it is up to you to follow the recipe precisely. If done so, then you have created a dish that will satisfy your taste buds or the one you are cooking it for. The time that you don't follow the recipe fully in the book is the time that you have been aware of the things that you need to add or subtract to the dish in order for it to have some kind of personal touch from the artist themselves. That analogy is applicable to sleight of hand as well. By the time that we have read, practiced, and familiarized ourselves with a move that we are practicing, that is the time that we adjust the move to our style, to our performance, to our specific handling, or even to the advantage of being a step ahead of your spectator. Review your material. After understanding the material that you have read, review it later. Reviewing your material will help you understand it more as well as it will guide you to discover the nuances and variations that will point you to making the slide you are learning your own. By reviewing, what I mean is reading or watching the material that you have practiced for the duration of the months or weeks that you have been focused on it. The reason for this is because you may have overlooked some things that will help you out on completely mastering the move. Or you may notice some things that the artist is doing that is completely unnecessary or does not benefit your handling. Hence will lead you to discover a completely new handling of the move that you can call your own. I personally have experienced the scenarios given above. For example, in doing the palming exercise from If an Octopus Could Palm, the bottom left edge of the cards were placed too deep in the fat of my thumb. For the longest time, that was how I did the move and I have had my fair share of trouble with it since I can do it with ease. By reviewing the book and fully digesting every word in it, I understood how it was placed on the thumb, and by the correction that I implemented to fix my errors, I can now do it with ease. Same thing I experienced when doing the longitudinal swivel steel. It's one of the hardest moves in all of sleight of hand. Even the source material, by forces unseen, does not somehow explain it in a manner that you can easily understand. Since the book was written ages ago, with new handlings on the move, I stumbled upon my good friend Andrew Frost's project by forces unnoticed, wherein he explains in a brief and friendly manner how he does it. Due to this crystal clear explanation, I was able to do it in no time. This made me realize that I was doing it wrong the whole time, and with just a review of a much more updated handling of it, I got the move down. Test it out. Now that you have known, reviewed, and practiced the material that you want to learn, it's time to showcase it and test it out to people. I suggest testing your material to your closest friends first who know that you are a magician. 
Let them know that this thing that you are performing for them is still a work in progress and you might succeed or fail depending on the circumstances. One of the good reasons to test it out on your friends is due to the fact that they can give you a no holds barred reaction to how you do the trick, as well as they tend to point out most of the things that they noticed you do that seem to be fishy on the spectator side of things. I suggest as well to perform it and seek guidance to your community. We have our online group, Playing Card Enthusiasts of the Philippines, as well as there are several jams that are being conducted from time to time. You can test the waters there on those platforms and seek guidance on where and what to improve. Last but not least, find a practice buddy. No introduction needed. There are a lot of magicians, sleight of hand artists, and cardists in the Philippines and the number is constantly growing. It is not impossible for you to find a practice buddy nowadays unless you zone yourself out of jams or whatnot. Your practice buddy is basically the one who can criticize what you're doing constructively as well as give you the blood bat that you need in order for you to know where you can improve and what you need to work on. There it is, 5 tips that you can do to increase your skill cap in terms of sleight of hand or any other art form that you can correlate this episode to. I do hope you may have learned a thing or two from this episode. Fret not as well as we will have more of these in the future as covered operations grows and as we dive further down the rabbit hole that we call sleight of hand. If you have questions, you can ask them on Twitter. Just tag me at underscore Covert Ops. Follow the podcast on Instagram as well, at Covert Ops Podcast. And be sure to be on the lookout for a new bi-weekly segment that we will be doing here. Once again, I thank you for your ever-listening ears. This is Paige AM. See you on the next one.